Today's scripture comes from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. They replied, The survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both I and my family have sinned. We have offended you deeply, failing to keep the commandments, the statutes, and the ordinances that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are under the farthest skies, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place at which I have chosen to establish my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. At the time, I was cupbearer to the king. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're continuing today in our Uncharted sermon series. Uncharted, off the map, not previously passed through, new terrain. It is becoming increasingly apparent that we are living in uncharted times. There are seismic, cultural, national, global, and institutional changes underfoot. It is hard for us to find balance, yet alone traction. And yet, as Christians, we believe that God is faithful. We believe that God has gone before us in this season, and that God is leading us through We have been using biblical wisdom and other tools at our disposal to be able to think through, to pray through, to discern how we are to live our lives when our calling, when our journey takes us off the map. Pastor Rob shared last week that the inspiration for this sermon series came from a book called Canoeing the Mountains, written by Todd Bolsinger. And the main illustration that Todd uses in this book is painting the challenges that Lewis and Clark faced along their expeditionary journeys as an illustration for the challenges that the church faces in our day and age. Lewis and Clark were tasked with finding a water passage through to the Pacific. And as such, they were using tools and strategies that made sense for navigating water. And their own journals will tell us that for three months, for at least three months along their journey, Lewis and Clark were able to see the spine of the Rocky Mountains. They were able to see this. And yet, even in the face of that, the mountains peaking up, they clung to their previously held notion that there would be a water passage. Even in the face of evidence to the contrary, 
They held on to their previously held beliefs and plans longer than fact or reason would have them do so. Why is that? Well, in part, it's our human nature, but also they really wanted to believe that the canoes would be the only vehicle that they needed because that is really all that they planned for. They had no other transportation plans. They had no imagination. They wanted to believe that what was ahead of them would be exactly like what was behind them. But that wasn't the case, not even close. And the same is true, likely, for us today in the life of the church. We are faced with mounting evidence and facts that tell us that the church in the West has been in decline for decades. Mounting evidence that tells us, that shows us that the church is no longer the center of society and that the church's influence in the West is waning. And yet we, like Lewis and Clark, often choose to believe Well, hope is probably the better word. We choose to hope that our canoes, meaning the practices and patterns that served God well in the past, when the church was the center of society, will continue to serve God's purposes today and in the future. Like Lewis and Clark, our metaphorical canoes may not not best equip us to find our passage through to where God is leading. This was true before the pandemic, and yet COVID seems to have only accelerated and confused this reality. Reality. One of the primary purposes of a leader is to be able to discern and name reality in whatever context they find themselves. Leaders have to be able to name reality when it's unicorns and rainbows, when God moves mountains, and also be able to name reality when the picture is not that easy to digest, when the Rocky Mountains clearly are not going to move. And while this might seem contradictory, I recently heard it said while watching um, a documentary that naming reality is the most optimistic thing a person can do. Because if we are going to deal with reality, which is our only real choice after all, we have to be able to see it, to name it, and to call it out for what it is. If you or a loved one have ever walked through the painful experience of being diagnosed with cancer, You know that it's a confusing and heavy and grief-laden time. But you also know that refusing to look at the scan or refusing to read the report is not going to move you in the direction of possible healing. We have to look at reality for what it is, not what we wished it would be. Because it's only after looking at reality for what it is, that then we're able able to locate the right partners, 
to locate the right tools, and to begin to discern what the best course of action might be. In terms of the church today, we are indeed in uncharted territory. We're unable to gather as we like. We're unsure when we will be able to. And for some of us, we're unsure that God is even leading us to return to old patterns. This is true for the great majority of churches in North America. And naming that reality might make some of us uneasy or uncomfortable. But I also believe that it will help us to see more clearly, to listen more openly, and to plan more effectively for where God is now and where God is asking us to move in the future. Our scripture lesson for today draws on Nehemiah's reality-naming experience. We're told that Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king. A cupbearer was a confidant of sorts, a person that the king liked well enough to keep around, have conversations with, but a person that the king must not have liked too much because a cupbearer was also responsible for taste-testing the king's wine to make sure that no one was trying to poison or assassinate him. Nehemiah's story takes place in about 445 B.C., that's about 140 years or so after the Babylonian, um, after the Babylonians conquered Judah and the Jews were taken into Babylonian exile. Nehemiah's story takes place in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' rule. So the Babylonian exile had taken place. The captivity had ended and the remnants, the Jews who had survived the exile, had returned and were returning. Artaxerxes was the Persian king. He was powerful. He was influential. He was well-known. He'd been around a while. And based on what we read in scripture, it appears that Nehemiah and the king had a close relationship of sorts. They had a connection. But Nehemiah was also out of sorts. He was Jewish. His life had been disrupted. His community had been disrupted. His religion and his rhythms and patterns and places of worship all disrupted. And his people, the remnant, were not doing well. Nehemiah was in uncharted territory. Nehemiah knew how to be a cupbearer, but he had to figure out how to love his God and to be a leader and a servant to his Jewish people in this less than ideal context. Nehemiah finds out in chapter one that his people are in shame, that the walls of Jerusalem have crumbled and that the gates were destroyed by fire. And this broke Nehemiah's heart. Now, last week, Pastor Rob gave us two questions to think about. He asked us, you know, who are you? Who am I? And also, what are we called to do? In other words, what's your mission? And today, I want to add two more questions based on Nehemiah for us to think about. And the first question is, what breaks your heart? What does your heart break for? Nehemiah knew his identity. 
And his mission, what he was called to do, was found by knowing what and who his identity was rooted in, and also what broke his heart. Hearing that his people weren't doing well, that their structures, their safety, and their security were in bad shape, and knowing the trauma, the generational trauma of exile and return, Nehemiah's heart broke. His people were hurting. And in that place of brokenness, he found his purpose to help his people rebuild. So what breaks your heart? And how does that place of brokenness intersect with the mission of God's church in this day and time? How may that broken heart be the place where God's light and God's wisdom shine in during these uncharted times? Now, there are many things that break my heart. And when it comes to the church, my heart breaks time and again when I see and I witness the church stuck in old patterns and old structures and old modes of being and doing that served God's purposes well for a specific point in time, but may have since become hindrances, hurdles, worse, roadblocks to God working through his people in this day and time. It breaks my heart. What about you? And the second question I'd like to add today based on Nehemiah is this. Where has God placed you? What is the context and community that God has placed you in? Who has God placed you with? Who are the people in your path? Because when you know your identity and when you know what breaks your heart and you are able to look around and locate where God has placed you in this season and the people that God has placed around you, you are even better able to discern what you are called to do. What is your mission or purpose in this season? Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. He had an in with the person who had the authority and the resources to help him achieve his purpose, to help rebuild the structures around Jerusalem. So where has God placed you and with whom? And how can that help you discern how God might be asking you to intersect uh, with his purposes in this day and time? Where God, where might God be needing you to lead, to serve, or to follow? Before being appointed to Ebenezer uh, UMC, I spent a significant amount of time discerning a vision that God had placed on my mind and in my heart. I spent a significant amount of time meeting with practitioners, having conversations with colleagues and mentors, and a significant amount of time uh, writing up a proposal to our conference leaders and my district leaders at the time. I shared that I felt that God was moving powerful, powerfully and could move powerfully through smaller micro-expressions of the church. I told the conference that I felt called to lead a community made up of these smaller micro-churches where my role would essentially be to equip and to guide and to release lay people who would be the leaders of these smaller churches 
to lead these communities in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their places of work, in their gyms, in third spaces where they are doing life. These smaller expressions would have the freedom to contextualize church for where they find themselves gathering organically. Small was the key word in this vision and proposal. And the conference took my proposal and they said, we think you should go to Ebenezer UMC, which is essentially the largest church in our conference. And I thought, God, where did I misstep? Where wasn't I clear? Did I not say the word small enough times? What are you up to, God? But part of being in this process is trusting that God is in the process. And so I trust it, and I prayed, and I continued to listen and continued to discern which if you've ever tried to discern where God is leading, you know that it's an uncomfortable process. And lo and behold, back in March, COVID hits. And now, in essence, the only safe way that we really are able to gather is in smaller gatherings, in our homes and in our communities and in our workplaces and in our gyms and in these other third places for doing life. And this was an opportunity to reassess. Who am I? What breaks my heart? Where has God placed me and with whom? And now, what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? And hopefully, you'll hear a little bit more about some of those innovations uh, in the near future. But for now, do you know who you are? What breaks your heart? Do you know your location, your context? Where have you been placed? Are you able to discern why the people around you are around you right now? And in this uncharted season where nothing is normal and where God very well be leading us off the map in more ways than one, do you have any inkling on how God might be tapping on your shoulder and inviting you to join in the movement to join in on God's purposes in these uncharted times. Times when we can see the Rocky Mountains. We've been able to see them for decades. And yet, times where we still might want to cling to our canoes. But then, like Nehemiah, we realize that we have to assume some risk. We have to let go of some of what is known and begin to ask God, what tools and partnerships and strategies do we need in this season so that we are able to clear the mountains, so that we are able to find a passage through to where God might be leading? And like Nehemiah, so that we are able to join in with God to help build the structures and the systems that God's people need, that we need, for God's purposes in this day and time. In uncharted times, sometimes the right questions are just as powerful and directive as the answers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.